Welcome to the Matt and Beth Show. This is episode 37. Merry Christmas. You're listening to the Matt and Beth Show. Well, the story of Christmas starts long before a baby was born in Bethlehem. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time. God has been around since before there was time, which is hard for me to even grasp. Like he, God was always there. And then one day he decided to make the earth and he created this perfect garden that had everything you could possibly need in it. And he decided that it was good. And then he thought, I would like to make someone in my image, someone that's like me that I can hang out with, that I can have relationship with. So God created Adam and Eve. He gave them the whole garden to take care of. They lived in this perfect utopia where God literally just walked among them. And that was the vision God had, was to have a place where he could have relationship with these humans that he created. And God told him, listen, listen, this whole place is yours. You own it. Take care of it. But there's one tree I don't want you to eat from, just one. So picture a massive garden. There's one tree. And I just don't want you to eat from this one. They call it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. One day, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden. They're near the tree. Eve is standing by the tree. And the it says a serpent came and talked to her and said, you really should, you know, you really should just try it. And in a moment of weakness, Eve tasted the fruit from this tree. And it says she gave some to Adam and he ate it too. And immediately they knew, it says immediately they knew that they were naked. They didn't have clothes on. And they didn't know this before because they were in this perfect relationship that you just don't, you know, you just don't, they didn't think about it, but all of a sudden it's like they saw their weakness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so in that moment and God came and God saw that they had done it, but God, again, he created the world. He created the whole universe. He's perfect. He's holy. And because they disobeyed that immediately meant that they couldn't be in his presence. Like they could not survive in his presence anymore because of the sin that they had committed. And so in that moment, it broke relationship and it sent humanity on a downward spiral because sin entered the world and there was no longer this ability to have a perfect union with God. Are we all related to Adam and Eve? Well, yes. (laughs) They were the first people. So if we go all the way back, yes. So uh, they, this relationship is broken and immediately in that moment, God set a plan into motion. So when I say that the story of Christmas starts at the beginning of time, it's really, when I think of like a, a movie, the best love story and the best superhero story all combined in one. And in that moment, for the rest of time, God set a plan into motion to reconcile, to redeem that relationship with man. So man sinned, and now any child that was born after that was born into a sinful world, born into a world apart from God. So the the next several thousand years were God reaching out and doing whatever he could to bring them back into right relationship. So thousands of years pass and God keeps promising. He says, you know, you're my, I've created you. Uh, You are my people. Um, You can't be in my presence. So here are all these rules. Okay. You can't, you can't be forgiven of the bad things you've done at this point, unless you follow all these rules, but that's not my plan forever. 
My plan forever is that we could be in relationship again without all these guidelines and stipulations. I want it to be an unconditional love, loving relationship. Why do you think God didn't do that like at the, at the very beginning where he would have put Jesus in versus just like, let's have the separation for a while. Is it so that we could all experience maybe that part of the separation from Jesus so that we yeah. can actually feel the goodness of it? Do you know what I'm saying? Because if sure. you automatically have it and you don't know the other side of the sin and the broken world, then you really don't know the good of Jesus. Well, I think I think he's still good, even if you didn't understand that. Yeah. But I, I do think it helps us to appreciate it more. Is that yeah. why? I don't really know why. I've I've pondered that a little bit this season. One one thought I have is um I you know, I think that God there are multiple people in the storyline of Jesus that God used to show his character to sh- to model who he is and his redeeming love and so I think that he wanted to use those people in as part of the story. Yeah. If that may, I don't know. Yeah. I, you That's know, a I, good question for us to ask him. So God puts this plan in motion and the, these people that are living, we would call it in the old Testament times. You can read about it in the, the first half of your Bible. Uh, they, there were all these rules that they had to abide by. They couldn't um, touch certain animals, couldn't eat certain things. They, anytime they, every year they had to make like actual sacrifices, like a, an animal sacrifice and, I don't make the rules. It sounds very weird to me, but for whatever reason, again, God is holy. Like the only way to make things right was a sacrifice. And it had to be a sacrifice of, of blood, like an animal was sacrificed. And it's, it's just weird for us to think of, but it's the picture of one day there's going to be blood that is shed, that is going to pay the price for every sin you've ever committed and every sin that will ever be committed. And so for hundreds of years, these people were trying everything they could to to abide by all these rules, and it was nearly impossible. And even when they did, they couldn't even come anywhere near the presence of God. They would make these sacrifices, but they were behind these thick curtains in these rooms that everybody couldn't even go in. You would It, it said if you, I mean, people would go in and they would just die, like that you could not be in God's presence in your sinful state. And so God kept promising, I'm going to send a savior, a Messiah is what they called him. I'm going to send someone to rescue my people. And he promised it for hundreds of years. And so when we open to the middle of our Bible, to the New Testament, that's when we see the birth of Jesus starting to unfold. One of those sacrifices was being made by a priest. And in that moment, an angel spoke to that priest. And that priest and his wife had been serving God for their whole lives, but they had no children. And God said, hey, Zachariah, your wife is going to be pregnant. Your son, I want you to name him John, and he's going to come before the Messiah and kind of prepare the way for him to come. And Zachariah didn't believe it. And he's like, how in the world? And the angel's like, you know what? You don't get to talk anymore for a little while. So, um, so Zachariah comes out. They said his face was like glowing because he had, you know, had this experience, but he couldn't tell them what was, he couldn't speak. He couldn't tell them what was going to happen. And so his wife ends up getting pregnant in her old age. And, uh, while she's pregnant in her little city, now an angel comes and speaks to this girl named Mary. Now this girl named Mary was a virgin. She had never been with a man. She was engaged, which at that time, it was a, the engagement process was even really bigger than like the wedding ceremony. Like you were locked in when you were engaged to somebody. So she's engaged 
and uh, an angel just shows up at her house and says, Mary, you are chosen. You have been chosen by God to bear his child. And she's like, well, how though? You know, that's impossible. I'm a virgin. So explain, please. (laughs) It's going to be the son of God. You're going to call him Jesus and he's here to save the world. And her response was, let it be to me as you have said, I'm the Lord's servant. Mm whatever the Lord. And so in that moment, that angel says, oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who's been barren her entire life, she's pregnant too. And I wonder if there was part of Mary that was like, this, I just need to find out if this is legit because, you know, like in that, I mean, she could feel in that moment, like this is, this is completely impossible, but also it's so real at the same time, like pinching herself. Maybe I'll just go check with Elizabeth and kind of find out before I go like telling my parents, hey, I'm pregnant, but... So she goes and she visits her her cousin Elizabeth and uh, it says while she was a, a ways off as she's walking in, Elizabeth says the baby leapt in her womb. And so remember what God had told Zachariah was, your baby is going to prepare the way for Jesus. And even as he was, you know, tumbling around in her belly, he could sense that God was near. Mm. So there's a connection there. And uh, so God in his graciousness also goes to Joseph because Joseph finds out about this. And he's like, Joseph is who Mary's engaged to. He finds out, he's like, what now? Say what? Yeah. And it says he was planning to divorce her quietly. And... But God in his graciousness shows up and speaks to Joseph and says, hey, this is this is true. You can trust me. You can trust Mary. This is all a part of my plan. And Joseph says, okay. And so he sticks with it. Well, in that season, uh, the, the governor of the area, I don't know why, but for a, whatever reason, he wanted to know how many people basically he owned, right? He wanted to know how many people were in his empire. And they said, the only way for us to really count is everybody just go back to where you came from and, you know, let's write it down that you're still alive, right? right? That we have your birth record here. Let's make sure that everybody knows you're still around. So Joseph and Mary, I don't know how long of a journey it was. I don't know how long it took them, but we know that at the time she got there, eventually she was very, very pregnant. And they got to Bethlehem. They, it says there was no room for them in the inn. And I, I mean, picture your own little small town. Everybody who's ever been born there is coming back, like where there's no more hotels left. Yeah. There's no vacancy. And... The, the, the important part about this is that God promised years and years ago, hundreds of years ago, that the Messiah was going to come out of Bethlehem. Mm. But he chose Mary to bring this child, but Mary didn't live in Bethlehem. And Mary only went to Bethlehem because Joseph was from Bethlehem. And so God here, you see God just like wow. orchestrating all these things. It, as if to just say, hey, I just want you to connect these dots because me just sending my son, like you're not going to understand that. But if you can connect these dots, like you can see that I was planning this all along. Right. You know, I think though, is it imagine us going through that. And if there was any doubt that just sat in the back of your mind, your full force, you know, you got this faith that God is is in control of this entire, and I'm just going to do what, what God says. But along the way, there's got to be these little things that happen where you're like, maybe we're wrong. Like yeah. there's no room in any of the inns. Right. We're going to be sleeping we turn around? in a 
barn um, and there's no room for it. We got to go back. We got to go yeah. back. This isn't right. Something happened here. So you think like if the power of God that you're going to have everything set up before you as it's supposed to be, it is the way it's supposed to be, but we don't see it that way. You know, we right. want that in with the comfies because I'm going to be having a baby tonight. Right. So it's just crazy to think of all of those things along the way and the faith that they continue to follow. And it was, it was a step of faith. Yeah. It had to be a step of faith because I don't know, like, did, did they understand they, they would have known, I would think the scriptures. So did, did they put that together? Like, wait a second. They're telling us to go to Bethlehem oh, right around the time right. this baby's going to come. Did they know that? Did yeah, they put those yeah. together? Because you see all throughout the, the new Testament, all these like religious leaders that just could not connect the dots. Right because they didn't want to, they yeah. didn't want to lose their own power. And so you just wonder like, did they connect the dots or? This is it, man, whoa, whoa, whoa. I read about this. <laughs> so they get to Bethlehem, there's nowhere for them to stay. You know, a lot of, traditionally we see them, um, you see like nativity scenes in like a stable. Um, it was probably, I've heard lots of different theories. Like um, the reason we get there, the, the Bible never says he was born in a stable. It never says he was born in a cave. It never says oh. he was born in a barn. It says um, that when he was born, Mary placed him in a manger. Well, a manger is where animals eat. So animals are probably sleeping wherever they are eating. Where do animals sleep? Probably in a stable. So we think Jesus was born in a stable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, like it, they didn't have like pack and place, you know? <laughs> So he's, whether it was a stable, I mean, some people said that they would have like their lower level of their house, you know, there's really no even like innkeeper, you know, you see these Christmas programs, kids are in there and there's the innkeeper, there's no room. I don't know why he always has an accent, nobody else does. Uh, but there's really no innkeeper in the Bible either. Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah. It just says there was no room in the end. Well, so somebody had to tell knew. him. No, they walked by and no vacancy signs on. Right, yeah. right, yeah. The street was lit with no vacancy signs. Um, so they find a place to stay. And the Bible says that uh, Mary had the baby and she wrapped him in cloths, probably whatever she had, swaddled him up and placed him in a manger. And I can just picture the, the sheer exhaustion. Mm. They've just been traveling for how many days, maybe months. I don't know. Not cars. No, maybe mm -hmm. on a, on a donkey. Mm -hmm. And and she's that pregnant. She's exhausted. Mm. She just gave birth and she placed him in a manger. So while Jesus is being born, which is so interesting to me because God is the God of the universe. Like he's the king of all kings and he sends his son to the earth in the most humble of ways. Yeah. He didn't ride into a city with, you know, people blowing trumpets and, all this fanfare and feeding him grapes, you know, I, it, 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 he came in such a humble way. And I think that that is a picture of real love. True love involves sacrifice. Mm. And God was saying, even the way my son is going to enter the world is going to be sacrificing something. Mm. So it's the Bible says he didn't consider his position in heaven as something to hold on to, but he made himself nothing. Mm. And that's, I don't know, it's, it's humbling. So meanwhile, Jesus is born and 
there it said the Bible says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So God didn't send his son into the world like a king would come into a new city in royal robes and with you know, a, a crowd following him. He sent him in the, this humble way. And then he sends an angel to these shepherds living out in the fields nearby, meaning these guys lived in the fields. They were, uh, who knows the last time they had a bath? Mm. Who knows the last time they brushed their teeth? And they're out in the fields with their animals. And the angel, an angel shows up and, and says, hey, remember, God has promised to send his son he has been born. You have got to see this. And then I'm, I want you to be the ones to go tell everybody. And I think that right there in that moment is God saying, like, I just want you to be a part of it. Yeah. And I want people to know that I want everybody to be a part of it. You don't have to be a king. You don't have to serve in the royal palace. Like, you don't have to have all the money in the world. You don't even have to take a shower yeah. first. <laughs> I want you to come see Jesus, and then I just want you to go tell everybody about yeah. it. So there's Mary, Joseph, that Jesus is in, you know, placed in a manger. These shepherds come to see what the angel had told them about, and it says they left glorifying and praising God. And so they, the shepherds went out and told uh, the world, if you will. But the story of Christmas, which we picture, right? We picture this beautiful star in the sky, one star above this manger. And for us, it's for us, it's a beautiful, like magical picture, right? For them, though, it was very real and very raw. Um, I've had babies right around Christmas time a couple of times, and every time I was struck by the fact that I was in a sterile hospital room surrounded by people whose job was to care for me and this baby. And so I've, I've had this, these moments where I try to connect with this woman who just gave birth. She's probably scared. She's unsure of the future. They are now in whatever stable going, well, at some point, like we have to go home. <laughs> like, are we here now? Do we live here now? <laughs> Is this our new stable? <laughs> Is this where we live now? Yeah. And so, and I, I think there was so much, I, I do think that there was probably magic in the air, if you will, just yeah. a, um, a stillness, an awe, a reverence. People probably didn't even understand why is this, why does this feel this way? Well, the truth was God came to earth. Like it had to have somehow shaken people yeah, yeah. to the core. So we picture this magical night. It was real people. It was it was people who were tired and just gave birth to this baby on the floor of this place where animals eat and these shepherds that are dirty and don't smell very good. Maybe they brought their animals. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Did they bring their sheep with them? I don't know. So we picture this magical thing, but truth is they were real people and God used real people to bring his son into the earth. I don't know if you do. I watch a lot of Christmas movies. Hallmark? Hallmark, yeah, yes. And stuff. and Chris, I mean yeah. other ones too. But you know, the Hallmark always ends with an unlikely couple coming together. And truthfully in that moment like it was this unlikely king coming to earth in order to bridge like a relationship. And so really to a certain extent like the the movie could end there. You know, he, he, he's a king, but he says, I am willing to give up everything. And that's, you know, the, typically the point in the movie where the couple comes together. Well, yeah. again, we still couldn't have relationship with this God who's in heaven, like God. Now Jesus came as a man, but when he's like in God form, like we can't come into his 
presence yet because there's still that gap because of our sin. So the movie doesn't end there, though. The story doesn't end there because remember in the Old Testament, the only thing that gave people right standing with God was a sacrifice of blood. And so when he sent his son, it wasn't just to say, hey, here I am. I, I want to be with you. And it wasn't enough for Jesus to just live with those people around him. But God wanted relationship with everybody for the rest of time. Yeah. And a sacrifice had to be made. The only sacrifice that would make that door swing wide open to be in God's presence was Jesus' blood. He had to die like the animals in the Old Testament. He had to die. But the difference between Jesus and all these sacrifices that had been made was that Jesus didn't stay in the ground. Jesus, ultimately, he shed his blood. He died on the cross to shed his blood as a sacrifice for our sin, not his. He never sinned. He was perfect. Mm. It was for us. And then the Bible says on the third day after that, he rose defeating death. So he's the only person, the only person to sacrifice his own life and then come back to life. And so that in that, it says in that moment when Jesus died, that temple that I talked about where there was a room where they would make their sacrifices, no one could go in. It would had a thick curtain that divided where people could not go past. That's where God's presence was. The Bible says that that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom and swung mm. wide open. Mm. And so now thousands of years later, remember God created the world so that he could have relationship with his people. And now thousands of years later, the door is swung wide back open because there has been forgiveness and his people have been redeemed and now reconciled to him. So when I say the story of Christmas is the ultimate love story, uh, and it's the also the ultimate superhero story. It's because it, it's a story of God's love for his people that he's willing to sacrifice his own son. Jesus is willing to come down and literally save the world, but it costs him his life. And he gave, he paid the ultimate sacrifice because it was worth it to have relationship with us. Everybody thought that there was going to be something different though, right? Like when they, when they read that there was going to be a king, when they read that it was going to yes. be, they thought royalty was coming, didn't they? Or They or thought some royalty sort of, was coming. They had been. Um, as they knew royalty, meaning that, that they thought it was mm -hmm. going to be a new king, literally taking over. And that they wouldn't be under anyone else's rule anymore. Right. You know, that it was going to be like a king was going to come and their what they wanted their practices their culture was going to be firmly established they didn't have to live by anybody else's rules anymore so they really thought it was different but it wasn't ever about any kind of political takeover yeah it was about relationship with god relationship with jesus you know and i see throughout the bible and you guys talked about expectations at church and it was a really great, great sermon, but expectations is such a big word because it seems like throughout the entire Bible, our expectations, what we think, almost like if we think that that's what's, what it's going to be that God's yeah. doing, it's not. Meaning Sometimes, that, yeah. that our, we, we can't fathom the depth or the length because we want everything to happen right now as we want it, yeah. but sometimes it's slow cooking with God. You know, yes. and sometimes the results are a little bit further away that you don't predict or even see or couldn't even imagine because our tiny little brains are trying to come up with what, with what we think next in the in the seconds. But God's got this plan for you that's just so gigantic that you can't see everything. So I wonder, too, with like with Mary and Joseph, if they knew 
or if they knew like even predicting the death of their own son down the road, any of that stuff, if God gave them, but probably not because God gives you just a little bit, you know, it doesn't give you the whole picture. So I bet they didn't know too much. They were just following faith. Don't you think? Does that make yeah. sense what I'm asking at all? Yeah. I think they, everything was a step of faith. I don't, um, you know, when the angel spoke to Mary, he, you know, he said, you're going to bear a child. It's going to be the son of God, but he didn't give a whole lot of details. Right. I truly, I mean, again, all these prophecies about a King that's coming and that these people are going to be redeemed and, and restored. I, I, I think that they just had such a different picture that when it happened, I don't know if they even really knew what was happening. Right. I don't, I don't, I mean, God didn't say specifically he's going to, you know, he didn't, I don't believe that he specifically said he's going to be the final sacrifice. You never have to sacrifice animals again. Mm -hmm. He may have in his own words, but I don't know that people fully could understand. Right. I mean, part of the reason we can understand now is because we have a relationship with him. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. They didn't have that. Mm. They just had these rules. So the the Bible that they had was not necessarily full of life. And you know, Bible it says it's living, it's active. Like we can we can pull from it because God speaks to us through it, but they had these written words and these written rules. It was more just a list of regulations. Yeah. So I don't know that they ever put it together. Yeah. Even the disciples, when they were following him around, I don't really even know if they fully knew the whole picture because I think that, you know, they fought it when he was in the garden and they were going to arrest him. They fought it. So I think they thought that they were fighting for Jesus to stay here and do what he was doing. And Jesus is like, Oh, that's not what this is about. Right. I've done that. Yeah. And now the next thing has to happen. Right. And throughout so, the story, he's kind of like going dummies. You don't get it. <laughs> you can't go with me. You guys just no, keep guessing. Yeah. You, you just don't get it. It, it right. seems like they were like, but what about, you know what I mean? Like yes. as humans would be, I mean, we're like, but what's the next step? But what's tomorrow? And he's like, no, 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 you guys, it's, I'm going somewhere you can't go. This is so much bigger. But remember, yeah. he's had this plan going for thousands of years. So if he's had that going the whole time, like he can see the end from where he sits at the beginning. Ugh. We can't. Yeah. And, you know, and there are times in our lives where truly we go through hard things and we get to the end of it. And we look back and we're like, oh, like uh-huh. I can see that. Like I remember this time we, uh, Sean and I were getting ready to buy our first house in Chicago. And it was probably in 2008. And we put in an offer. It seemed like a great house. You know, we were, we were pastors at a church. The people selling it were worship pastors at a different church. We wrote in this letter, this story, like it was going to be this great location. It was going to be, you know, a house we could, you know, afford and which is big deal in Chicago. Mm. And we, we put in this offer and we just were like, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. And then all of a sudden gone. And it, it was because they had listed it for a price. It was like a short sale and the bank was like, nah, you're going to need more than that, which is, you know, it seemed too good to be true. It was. Uh, but in that moment we were like, God, we were like praying about this. Like we felt like this was where we were supposed to go. Like, I don't understand. And uh, fast forward just a few months later. And I had been uh, doing childcare in my home and the the couple moved. And so it didn't, wasn't going to make sense to bring their kids to my house anymore mm. or the you know office moved. And so I just went boom down to 
we went down to one income. So, you know, six months later, we find out we wouldn't have been able to afford it. And then again, I said it was 2008. That's when all the housing market just like crashed. And then four years later, we moved back home to Lincoln. So had we bought that house, uh, we one wouldn't have been able to afford it the day we moved in. I would have maybe had to go back to work. I don't know. I had kids yeah. at home. I don't know. Uh, and we would have lost tens of thousands of dollars four years later when we went to sell it. And so for, you know, four years later, we were like, oh, I get it. And I even think he let us walk through it so yes. that we could see for future things that when something difficult comes up that we can go like, okay, we felt like we were led down this road, but then he gave us, you know, like a, a sharp right turn. So he's going to do that again. He's the same. He's not going to leave us hanging. So I do think there are times where we can look back and be like, oh Jesus that's what you were right, doing right, right. and ultimately when we get to heaven I think we're going to understand it even more we're going to be like oh that weird prophecy from Micah in the Old Testament like <laughs> right. oh you did tell us this was going to happen like we can't see it now <laughs> on the other hand though sometimes we go through things in life where we're like I do not understand this this is so hard and this is so not what I was expecting and then we still don't know why it's still just hard. And, and, and maybe, maybe three years down the road, five years, 10 years down the road, you're able to work through some things and get some healing from it, but you still don't always understand why. And I think that's where we have to come back to these moments where, where God did, God did do what he said he was going to do. He ultimately did it all to have relationship with us. And that's where we go back like Mary and Joseph and just go, I don't fully understand this, but I am going to move forward and, and trust. It's not blind trust. If you've seen all the ways he's answered prayer in the past, you've seen all the ways he's moved in the past, but sometimes you do just go forward and go like, I may never know the end, the answer to this. I may never understand the why it may just hurt for a little while, but I'm going to choose to trust God because I've seen everything he's done in the past has worked out for the good. And I'm just going to trust that it's going to continue to happen. And it might not even be for the next hundred years, it whatever's happening. In your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be for the next generation or generations past that. And I think yeah. that's the coolest thing is if we think selfishly, it's all about us. But if we think generationally down the road, whatever's affecting me now, whatever God's doing to me now is, or could be for my great, great, great grandkids. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the patience that comes with having faith too, because if you do have faith in that way, you know, it's not microwave. It's going to be a, a slow cooker. Yeah. You know, there's some things yeah. that just take longer and that's the, the, the patience that comes with faith. And I think that that's why I wonder is when, you know, Mary and Joseph are walking through this town in the middle of the night and nobody has any room anywhere for them to stay. And this was God's plan. They got to be like, nah, this isn't God's plan. God wouldn't do this to us. There had to be at some point where they were like, this has got to be wrong. But that faith continued to push them along. And I think that's so neat. And in life, I've seen that more and more and more in the past when I didn't have God, there was nothing there to give you that hope. But the patience that comes with that faith that the thing is, is that God's got a plan that I don't understand and I'm not going to understand. And that's okay. The let, let go of the control is, is another of that feeling of peace that comes with it, knowing that God is doing what God's going to do. And I'm not going to affect that. I'm just going to follow along with faith and patience and trust. And that gives me the peace. And I, and I just think that there's so many situations and stories in the Bible and the Christmas story that 
they just continued to go even though the story seemed so whack. And you didn't have any Bible to read back then. You didn't know what Mary was going about. You didn't know that the baby was born. You didn't know this was gonna be Jesus and everything that came along with it. You were just there in the present as everything was happening and it all sounded probably very crazy. Yeah. But the faith kept you along. Yeah. So if I was gonna wrap this whole story up with a bow, it would be with this. There's a verse in Isaiah where God was foretelling the story of Jesus. And it says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so God was saying this child is going to be born, but it's not just a child. And the words he uses to describe him are so personal. He says he'll be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father. So he's referencing him as a father, not just as God or this king that sits on a throne and the prince of peace. So when he sent Jesus to the earth, it was with the intention of having real and close relationship with us to the point where he would be our counselor, where he would be our father, where he would be our true peace. So if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for belonging, if you're looking for a father, God made the way, he paved the way, he spent thousands of years unfolding this plan to where people could be brought into relationship with him. So when he created the world, Adam and Eve sinned, he saw you thousands of years later and he said, you are worth it to me to sacrifice my own son if it means that for all eternity, you and I can have a relationship. So all you have to do, the Bible says, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, he was raised from the dead. Believe it, you confess it with your mouth and the Bible says you'll be saved and you'll be brought into a relationship where you can learn every day about this father and about this Prince of Peace. All you have to do is reach out and ask and I believe that God wants to give that kind of peace and knowing that you are in relationship and reconciled, redeemed, forgiven. You're in that relationship with him. So that's our hope for you is that you would experience the peace that only comes from Jesus. Merry Christmas from Matt and Beth. The greatest gift this Christmas would be to get into a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a place to go on Christmas Eve, we want to invite you Crossroads Church, come on through the doors on Christmas Eve, 10 a.m. if that works for you best. Four o'clock if the afternoon is better or stay for both. If there's a time that you want to go in with your own heart and this is it, you don't have a church to go to, Christmas Eve, 10 a.m., 4 p.m., Crossroads Church, 40th and Superior. Get a hold of us on social media or email us, Show at gmail.com and let us know you're coming, what time, and we'll save you a seat. No. This is the Matt and Beth Show. All the other episodes are at the Matt and Beth Show.com. Bye, everybody.